Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, looking at ADHD differently, the advantages of observation. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, Take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying Uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, this is going to be a fun show for me. I got into coaching back in 2007, 2008. I was trained at the ADD Coach Academy and Coaches Training Institute, both life coaching schools that are credited by the International Coach Federation. And trying to reconcile those two, the differences between Coaches Training Institute and the ADD Coach Academy, I held some things in my mind as I began to work through my journey of working with people. And then I started Attention Talk Radio as a means to, um, to get my name out there. I'm not a very good writer. In fact, I'm horrible at writing. Uh, It's very time-consuming. It doesn't typically turn out very well. So when I got into the coaching business, people were saying I needed to write a book or I needed to do a blog, and I'm like, that's just not going to work for me. So I paid attention to it differently, and I said, you know, hey, I'm going to start a podcast, uh, which is now Attention Talk Radio. When I did that, I was really just saying how can I get – make a name for myself um, in a way that was easy for me. And little did I know this route would take me on a journey, uh, interviewing some of the foremost experts of the world and really get an education that you can't get in a book. That being said, 2011 is the first time in March of 2011, I uh, interviewed uh, Dr. Russell Barkley um, and he was looking at the world a little bit differently and ADHD. Um, It was looked at as a uh, attention deficit disorder 
um, he was looking at it from a perspective that it had to be an executive functioning impairment. The issue is, is if you took a test on executive function, ADHD wouldn't show up as an impairment. Uh, he argued several different ways, completely different ways, of how ADHD had to be an executive function impairment. So either the tests were wrong or it wasn't. So he took a look at things a little bit d- deeper and realizes that there were, was you know, 34 different definitions of executive function. It was like a dog's breakfast of stuff that was out there and, and like nothing really made a sense. So he tried to bring some form to the definition of executive function in a model, if you've listened to me over the years, that I totally subscribe to. So as I studied his model and I have began to observe behavior, it's been interesting to me how what people say is haphazard seems to make a lot of sense for me. So I switched um, my philosophy of looking at people trying to help them move forward or uh, to change to what are they doing and what's the legitimate reason why they're doing it? In other words, I was really kind of focusing on what was right, not was what, what was wrong. And it was fascinating to me uh, what, I, what I was able to see. And I wanted to share some of this with you tonight, my perspective. And, and these, are, these are stories or ways that I was able to look at some things that seem to explain a lot that other models don't. Um, and also to sit there and say, when I'm coaching people, um, the first thing I do is I, I take a look at the legitimate reason why they're doing what they're doing. And then I try to say, okay, listen, you're doing this for a reason that's ADHD. How can we tweak it? So what does that look like? Um, and the point of this exercise today is if you begin to be curious about the legitimate reason why you do what you do and think about it, hopefully we'll be able to manage your ADHD a little bit differently. And I'm going to tell these stories in no specific order. Um, but one of the ones that I'm going to, I'm going to start with is projects. I, I can't tell you how many people have come to me with ADHD and, you know, I've got all kinds of unfinished projects. And one guy in particular, one day I was talking to, God, I love to learn, 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 learn. And I, I would actually argue that, you know, there's a lot of people with ADHD, I call it a learning addiction or a curiosity addiction. I, often somebody with ADHD will get on the internet at nine o'clock at night before you know it's three o'clock in the morning. And that's, scenario there is they don't have a deficit of attention their issue's not that's a self-regulation issue they're not kind of pulling themselves away so i was coaching this guy one time and i knew that he, he had an insatiable appetite for learning and he started talking about projects that were unfinished and as i began to listen to the projects i began to get curious and, and think what's what's the project is the project to finish something or to learn what it's like to do it so specifically one of the projects that he had was to finish off uh, I guess remodel his bathroom. And as I began to ask questions, it was funny because I was asking him like about the experience and it seemed that it kind of died out and he was all excited. And it, what clicked on me one day is that he really wanted to learn what it was like to be a carpenter. And I'm saying that it's the best word that I could use. And he worked on the bathroom for a period of time. And when he had learned what it was like to be a carpenter, the project was done. Now, he hadn't finished remodeling the bathroom, but the idea really is, is um, he is drawn to and very motivated to learn stuff. And so he learned how to put crown molding up in the bathroom. And once he'd got it about half done, he'd learned how to do it. And it was time to move on. As I began to mirror it back, we started looking around at the 20 other unfinished projects. And what they all had in common was when the learning ran out, that's when everything stopped. Now, I've done an attention talk video on this before, and I've had a lot of people go, wow, that's incredible. A lot of like arguing with me like that to stop. I'm like, what good does that do me? Well, 
if you have a passion for learning and you don't have the self-awareness around it, you're not managing yourself. You keep jumping into projects thinking that you're going to finish remodeling the bathroom when the project's really about learning. People say, wow, I'm not very motivated. Well, no, you're really motivated to learn. Again, what I'm doing is I'm looking at this a little bit differently, and all of a sudden what didn't make sense all of a sudden does make sense. Having that knowledge that you're going to start a project and probably not finish is people. You can sit there and say, I'm going to do this, and I'll just stop, and I'll be done. I'm not supposed to finish it, or if I'm going to remodel a bathroom, I'm going to do till I learn what it's like, and then I need to make sure I've got somebody else to finish it after I get done. And really, really, when you think about it, it puts you in a better position to you know, be aware of what's going on and manage yourself with a lot more intent. Um, another story, one of my favorite stories is um, I had a psychiatrist one time come to me. He had ADHD. He diagnoses people with ADHD, prescribes meds to them. So he came in one day. He says, what do I want coaching on? Or what do you want coaching on? I said, I'm late. I said, what do you mean you're late? I'm late. How late? Well, I'm 10, 15 minutes late. You ever an hour late? Yeah, daylight savings time. You ever an hour early? Yeah, daylight savings time. Ha, 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 ha. I'm, by the way, I'm asking a question for eight, nine, ten minutes doing this kind of stuff. So I'm just kind of paraphrasing and kind of cutting it down. So I said, let me get this straight. <clears throat> you are 10 to 15 minutes late like 98 times. The guy said, yeah. And I said, well, what's your system? He said, I don't have a system. I said, well, what's your recipe? He said, Jeff, I'm, that's what I want coaching on. And I'm like, well, let's think about this. If you're consistently 10 to 15 minutes late, you've got to have a system because if you didn't have a system, you'd be an hour late or 20 minutes late or 30 minutes, an hour early or whatever. And he said, well, I don't know. I guess I don't like to be bored. And I go, well, there you go. He goes, what? I go, no, there's no time management system in the world that's going to handle it. It's not a time issue it's a boredom issue as we began to talk what came out was you know the times that you know a nurse takes you into the room and they're taking the vitals if he shows up in there he'll often get on social media or youtube or whatever and then you'll get distracted to have a problem with what's kind of going on create issues in his life whereas if he just walks in the door and goes right to work he's more focused he doesn't get in trouble and as we began to talk about it, it was interesting because he re- began to realize that he didn't think he could manage time he realized that he did the legitimate reason why he was showing up late was because if he didn't, he'd get bored. And if he got bored, he would probably do something, get himself in trouble. And so we really realized that that was instinctively he was doing that for really, really good reasons. Again, maybe something that you don't think would really make a lot of sense, but a lot of times I'm finding people looking for structures on some things. And if you say, what's the legitimate reason why you're doing it, it explains a lot. So far, we've gotten two of those examples. Tell you what, I want to go to a break, and we'll come back, and I'll continue on with this. Our secret word tonight is looking. Again, looking, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. 
This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here looking at ADHD a little differently. Um, I'm sharing how I've looked at it differently, and I'm trying to share insights and patterns and stuff that I've seen that you might be surprising to you. Um, to me, what I've shared so far seems to be uh, kind of explains itself a little bit in a certain kind of way and why what's going on. In studying Dr. Dr. Barkley's um, executive function model, working memory is impaired, and part of working memory is talking to yourself, the mind's voice. Working memory has visual imagery and self-talk. If you look at a, a neurotypical, they're often talking to themselves inside their head, self-talk. You can't hear them. People with ADHD um, have working memory impairment, and often they, are, they talk a lot. What most don't realize is they're not talking to you all the time. Sometimes they are, but often they're talking out loud or thinking out loud to themselves. These are the ones that walk up and they'll talk, 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 talk to somebody for like five minutes or whatever, and they'll solve their own problem. It's interesting to me because when you think about it, what I've learned is the people that talk a lot is they're doing it instinctively because they're rewarded with higher levels of performance. My point really here is I've had a lot of people who, if they don't talk, they don't think. But if they talk out loud, again, they solve their own problems. As I began to watch this a lot, it was interesting to me with the pandemic, um, knowing that a lot of people with ADHD need to externalize their thinking. They need to make it visual. They need to collaborate with some people. When the pandemic had, everybody was sent home to, um, to think inside their head. You, you weren't in the workplace where you could bump into people and, 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 and collaborate, which I'll share in a second, or um, uh, you were home from – like you're not able to talk to even other students. And so my phone's lit up like a Christmas tree with people like, oh, I'm unmotivated um, or I'm not productive. And they were like, they were, they were focused on the motivation. I'm like, it's not a motivation issue. It's a thinking issue. When you're out among people, you kind of collaborate. Um, Dr. Um, Thomas Brown has got a quote, as the need for independent work increases, ADHD productivity decreases. I had heard that quote years ago, but all of a sudden it was making an enormous amount of sense to me. I mean, enormous amount of sense to me. So I'm going to be segueing here a little bit. I'm going to talk about procrastination and ambiguity in a second. Um, actually, I'm going to talk about it right now, but I'm going to move from here into procrastination in a minute. Because um, what I've learned is that probably 80% of procrastination is rooted in ambiguity. And when you're with other people, there's lots of moments where you collaborate with people in a way that you're not aware. So I was coaching an individual um, before the pandemic, and I was explaining to them procrastination is rooted in ambiguity, and they were arguing with me, um, like as if I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, Austin, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, 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 this one I, I think I do. Anyway, um, lockdown happened. And they were working from home. And I got a text one day. It was like an oh, my God. And they were explaining that they were, they were working on something and on the computer, and they ran into something or some procedural thing that they forgot. Now, retrieving existing knowledge is a working memory function. Well, they actually would recognize at work. They would lean over to a coworker, ask a question to get the answer, and we back to work and within two seconds, and just was like flawless, right? This particular day, no, there was no coworker because they were working at home, so they instant messaged somebody, not knowing if they were at a desk or whatever, um, got up to go get a cup of coffee, and never came back. Um, and if you think about it, or in, our, in the pursuing conversation is if you're with somebody, you can lean over, get their attention, and get, your, get the answer and go right back to it. If they're at their desk, 
they might not be there, so they miss the message. If you do, maybe they got some other things, or it's not like nudging somebody to get the answer. Then we started talking about the realization that the procedural step was probably somewhere on the company's intranet, but really didn't have any idea where to find it intuitively and no idea how long it would take. See the ambiguity? What looks like in this particular situation a motivation issue, um, procrastination issue is really an ambiguity issue. I don't remember this procedure, and I don't really know where to go to find it, so I get up, I go get a cup of coffee, and I don't come back. What I go back to Dr. Barkley's model is often they struggle with these things and sometimes having people they could collaborate with. This is just somebody maybe in the next cubicle. It seems small, but you know, maybe it only happens once in an hour or once every two or three hours, but it can be the difference between getting something done that day or not getting it done. So as we do that, we're going to transition this, this notion into um, procrastination in general. I've studied procrastination, and one of the things I look at is you procrastinate for really a couple of reasons. One, it's boring. Um, people with ADHD, if, it's, if something's boring, they're physically uncomfortable. It's, they, they don't want to do it. Or it's ambiguous. Two parts of ambiguity. You literally have no idea what to do. Or you got parts of it, but you can't hold it together in your working memory, so either way, you end up in ambiguous. So as I began to look at procrastination, say there was a le- legitimate reason that you procrastinate, it's physically uncomfortable for you to do it. Who wants to do that? Um, if something's really uncomfortable, well, you're not going to do it. Like if, let's say it's 150 degrees outside. Who wants to go garden? If it's under, you want to go inside, have some lemonade. Wait till it's cooler outside, you go outside. So you either need to make it a little less boring so it's not physically as, as uncomfortable so that you'll do it. The other side is ambiguity. If you don't really know what to do, you should focus in on that. So in this vein, it's interesting to me because the revelation as I begin to say the legitimate reasons why people don't do things is ambiguity or, or it's physically uncomfortable. That notion or the realization there's a huge correlations between uncertainty and avoidance. Think about that. You're not really clear, you don't do it calling yourself a procrastinator, so hey, the legitimate reason you're not doing it is because you're not clear on what to do. Oh, wow, that opens up a whole new world. What is it I don't really know to do? I go solve for that problem, or I get some clarity, I get back to it. Conversely, if you look at this and you realize is that a lot of people come to me and they say, I need, I need motivation, I need motivation, I need motivation. I go, okay, <clears throat> what, what I've noticed in this observations about procrastination is that clarity and motivation are highly correlated as long as it's not boring. When you know what to do, I find the people with ADHD, they do it. So often if you want to get motivation, your focus shouldn't be on the emotional side of I just need to get motivated, but identify what you're not clear on and try to get clarity on it. Often that's by collaborating with other people. Let's pause here for a second. This whole show is looking at ADHD differently. It's looking at the legitimate reasons why you're doing what you're doing to solve the problem. Make sense so far? All right. Going back to clarity, I talk a little bit sometimes about what I call task Darwinism. You ever find yourself sitting down at a computer um, and you've got to do a task, maybe there's something important, and you find yourself doing a bunch of, whole, a bunch of other things? Well, as I've come to study, if you're going to do a task, there's a few things that have to happen. One, you've got to be in a conducive location. Two, you've got to have a sufficient amount of time. Three, you've got to have available resources. And four, you've got to have clarity. If you don't have all four of those, you're going to find yourself not doing whatever you think is a priority. So what you find yourself doing is to what I call task Darwinism. I'm at my computer. There's an email. 
I got what I need. I know how long it's going to take. I got the resources, and I know exactly what to do. So I find people start to do those little things to take off the pressure because they lack clarity on whatever the priority is. Legitimate reason why they're not. People come to me, I'm having trouble with prioritization, prioritization. It's easy to say this is important. What's hard is to identify what you're not clear about. I want to kind of illustrate this um, with, a, with a kind of a fun story that I, I, I say every once in a while. A guy came to me. Um, I was coaching him anyway. Long, I do a discovery intake with the first call after that. I was, we were, I was covering procrastination, and I said, you know, what, what's on, what are you procrastinating on? I said, I'm not calling my family to tell them about my daughter's dance recital. I said, what's hard? He said, nothing. I said, seriously, what's hard? And he goes, nothing. It's just a phone call. Now, let's pause for a second. One of the things that I always say in my business is that if – or my mom once said, if something's difficult, you need to say it's difficult because if you don't, you're not giving it the respect that it's due. So I turned to this guy, and I said, you know, would you stop for a second? You're saying this is easy. Let's, let's just pause and evaluate this. this. I'm asking you what you're procrastinating on. This is on the top of your list, and you're paying me money right now. Do you, do you recognize this? If it's so easy, then why is that happening? And he goes, well, I don't know. I guess when I call them, they ask me, where do I park? What do I wear? What am I supposed to bring? In that moment, he realizes he doesn't know. Now he's got to go to his wife. Can't you just do this one thing? There's an emotional thing that's there. Can't you just say one thing? And he gets his information back. And I said, you know, if you have thought about it, you went to your, your wife, and she said, hey, or she came to you and said, hey, can you make these phone calls? And you said, yeah, if you paused and thought, wow, what would be like if I got the phone call? You might identify those questions or you'd say, hey, listen, honey, what questions are they going to ask me? You would have that to make the phone call. Now, it does take a certain amount of self-awareness and self-regulation to stop and imagine yourself if you got the call or asking the spouse for the questions. But my focus really here is this is a simple phone call according to this person, but I'm trying to illustrate that it's not being made for a legitimate reason, and that's because of the ambiguity. Ambiguity. All right. Tell you what, let's go to break. Our secret word is looking. We'll come back and we'll give you some more examples of things that I've seen when you start to look at the legitimate reasons why people do what they do, and we'll go from there. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody. We are here looking at ADHD differently. As opposed to looking at everything as it's wrong or shouldn't be done that way, we're looking for the legitimate reason what's going on or why it is the way that it is. I'm sharing specific stories and correlations and stuff that I've heard to kind of illustrate this point to see if uh, it will resonate with some people. Okay, so next kind of interesting story is I've had, you know, people come to me and say, you know, I'm not motivated. What do you mean you're not motivated? Well, I'm just I'm sitting here on the couch. Okay. Well, what do you mean? I'm not motivated. Well, I don't understand what you're saying. What is it you think you should be doing? Well, I should be doing my taxes. Well, have you ever thought that maybe you're motivated to sit on your couch because that's what you're motivated to do? Like you're more motivated to sit on the couch and watch Netflix than you are to do what you think you're supposed to do. The legitimate reason is doing your taxes, it's hard. It's a lot of hard thinking. Um, some of you are going to argue with me, but that's a whole other show. But, I mean, the euphoria of, a, of an aha, that might be fun thinking, but kind of grinding through the details of interpreting a bunch of stuff on your taxes with you, that you don't have anybody to collaborate with is that in the day you're sitting on the couch and you're motivated to sit on the couch because it's too painful to think and do your taxes. That's legitimate. Well, what do you do about that? I had a guy one time who's like behind us tax return like five or six years and he threw a tax party. He literally had a bunch of people come over, set up a bunch of card tables, didn't want anybody to know his complete financial scenario. So he broke it up into pieces, had a keg party, had it catered and just had different people do different pieces of it to get through his taxes because it was too intellectually difficult for him. But the party was work. It's a little bit of an outlandish story, but I go back to too often people come to me and they're like, you know, doing my taxes is really mentally taxing. It's really comfortable sitting on the couch. Can you just coach me to try harder? Eh, probably not. But the legitimate reason that they're sitting on the couch is because they're motivated to do it because it's comfortable. It's pleasing. It's pleasurable. It's hard to get up and do stuff that you don't like or whatever. Tip tricks and strategies just a set a timer. I don't know solve that problem for most people. That's why I think a lot of these tips, tricks, and strategies you have out there, they sound really good on paper, but you find yourself kind of going through them because they're not getting at the root cause. Um, but if you look at it differently and you say, I'm, I'm more motivated to sit on the couch, with that being said, you can begin to say, hey, what, what, how can I project manage that from here? Um, another time I'm coaching an individual, he's telling me that he owes like 15000 Company, His company owes him $15,000 um, in expense account money. And he said he was really motivated to do it. I'm, I'm confused by this. Like, to me, when I'm motivated to do something, I actually go do it. But he hasn't done his expense account in nine months. And it's interesting to me because I'm like, well, what's the legitimate reason he's not doing it? $15,000 is a lot to do. And as I began to ask him questions, we started talking about what he's got to do to submit his expense account. Basically, he's got a very a really archaic scanner that he's got to scan receipts in. He's got to take it, scan it. It goes somewhere in a folder on his hard drive. Then he's got to go. He's got to pick it up. He's got to stick it on his hard drive. He's got to rename it. Then he's got to upload it. And then he's got to go right in somewhere else what the description is and tag it with whatever this thing is. If you're listening to me on this, I'm, it's exhausting me thinking of the cognitive stuff and remembering all the steps. As we began to talk our way through it, it was clear. It was cognitively, it was just a nightmare, very tedious, very, very difficult, very, very frustrating. That was the legitimate reason that he was there. Plus, it required a lot of working memory which is impaired for people with ADHD. And as soon as we got um, attention and got an accommodation for somebody to sit with him and he'd explain what was going on and do it, it was really kind of a piece of cake. Um, the legitimate reason is 
it's miserable and really taxing on his working memory. That's why he was doing it, and the best thing to do is just not do it and have somebody else really kind of make that happen. This is a little bit more subtle, but there's a lot of people with ADHD that claim that they have a hard time with uh, time management. If you're listening to me, have you ever said I'm having a hard time getting into the flow? Once I'm in the flow, I'm good, but I'm having a hard time getting in the flow. If you think about it, when you're going to do a lot of work, like really hard work, you've got to load information in your mind before you can do the work. Think of like a computer. When you push the button, you've got to boot up the operating system. Everything's got to come come up. And I don't know if you're working on you know like a, some project and you get it in your computer, the electricity goes out and the Word document evaporates and you've got to start all over again. That's a pain in the butt. You don't want that to happen. I find a lot of times people, particularly creatives or people that are having to do a lot of uh, executive functioning, they sit down and they have a hard time getting into the flow. All right? Once they get into the flow, it's unproductive for them to get up and leave because they'll have to start over, and they'll actually sometimes lose a lot of work. So they'll have bells, whistles, and alarms going off left and right, and they're ignoring all of them because their head is focused in on the task at hand. If they stopped it, they would actually have to start over, so it would be unproductive for them to get up and go do that stuff. So instinctively, they stay there to kind of get it done. The challenge here, they're not aware of it, and they'll often start a task that requires them to get into the flow in a certain amount of time, and there's not enough time to get into that flow state and get it done, so they'll get started with it and not want to stop. Again, that's a working memory issue. It's not a time management issue a legitimate reason why they're not necessarily doing what they're doing. Anyway, point really is is that all too often we look at ADHD as a deficit, and we're looking at what people are doing wrong, and we're trying to change that or fix it. I found a lot of success by not looking at what they're doing wrong, but by being curious to say what's the legitimate reason why they're doing what they're doing to recognize its purpose. Once you understand that, then you can – and, and you become self-aware of it, you can manage it. Like, I'm on the couch because I'm comfortable doing that. Taxes are difficult. Maybe we should get your taxes and go with somebody else to go through that to make it the thinking a little bit easier. You might find yourself more motivated to do that than sitting on the couch because it would feel good, right? Sometimes you, hey, I, don't, I need to be late because I don't really want to be bored. It's only going to kind of get me in trouble. Hey, I do have an insatiable appetite for learning. Some people come to me, they got a learning addiction, and they've, they've got three master's degrees, certifications, everybody else, and they're getting another degree to give themselves the illusion they're doing something. I'll say, listen, I'm not so sure you should be doing that. You should probably be finding a job where you'll get paid for learning. Um, there's some level of consultants that are out there because people that like to learn get paid for it. If, if you're doing something, you learn it, and the learning's gone, you might find yourself struggling. Talks a lot about that in other episodes. So anyway, the intent here, this is the value of looking at, at why it's happening. Not easy for a lot of you guys to understand this concept because you're not used to it. Society is always quick to point out what you're doing wrong because if you think about it, if they make you feel broken, then you've got to buy something to fix yourself. And when that doesn't work, they're going to make you feel worse, so you have to buy something more to fix yourself. So corporate America is always into making you feel broken because they make money off of it, and you're not used to looking at it this way. But I've had a lot of success coaching people by just saying, hey, here's the legitimate reason why what you're doing and why you're doing it. You have a working memory impairment. Talking out loud is helpful. Let's bring that into your life. People say, but I can't do that. Well, yeah, you can. You might have to work at it a little bit, but you'll find it a little bit better.
Anyway, I hope this has given you pause to think, pause to like ponder some of this stuff and maybe start to look at your life and what you do as what you're doing right as opposed to doing what you're doing wrong. I've never really found that shame and blame is really – actually, Laura McNivens once said in an article, you can't treat ADHD through shame and blame. Um, that's a more negative way, looking at what you're doing right in a more positive way. So, again, hope that's insp- inspirational. You'll think about it. Our secret word tonight is looking. Again, our secret word tonight is looking. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.